Hello and welcome back to Much Show About Rugby, where we chat about everything rugby. Today, I am back with my good friend Maliki for another cheeky round review of the weekend's Test Match Rugby and also chatting a bit about the new uh, Premiership games that are happening, obviously. Um, but before we go into all the analysis, shall we say, uh, we should probably mention our socials. Uh, so we have Instagram, tag at Much About Rugby. We're on Facebook. And you can also find the podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Anchor, if you know what that is. And uh, also YouTube, obviously, if you want to look at our beautiful faces. Um, a lot of you don't want to do that, apparently, but that's fine. Um, anyway, should, without further ado, we'll move straight into uh, the, the key match of the weekend, especially for us England fans. Uh, England-Wales, which happened yesterday at the time of recording. We had a very, very, uh, well... Now, how how would you describe the match? Would you describe it as close or I don't know, it was it was a bit of a weird one because I don't know, I, I was kind of just like kind of worried the whole game. I I don't know if you could tell on the chat, to be fair, I did say I'm worried quite a few times. But um especially when we can see that try early on, I was like, what is going on? Like passes weren't going to hand, like all that kind of stuff. Like I just didn't feel like the, we had that normal flow that we usually have when we're playing at our best and I feel it was, it was quite a close competition. So yeah, I was, I was, I don't know. I wasn't convinced by England's performance, but I'm just happy that we did get the win. Cause I really, really don't like losing to Wales. Really probably the team I'd least like to lose to, to be honest. Yeah. I think England misfired a bit, but I think, like I wasn't necessarily worried like you were I guess I was just more like I, I guess I was just more like come on let's just score a couple more tries I mean we only got two in the end it was uh, Slady and, and Makovina Pola trundling over um, but all the statistics if you look at them in a bit more detail they, they are all massively in favour of England like England had double the amount of metres made uh, uh, than, than Wales they had you know two thirds possession um two-thirds territory all of these statistics show that England should have really um made the scoreline a lot larger than it was which ended up 24-13 um and I just think it was that you know clinical nature that we often see with England uh where they can just execute if they have a line out five meters out they will score um which is what we're used to saying but we just didn't see that from from this England team Despite that, I thought that the likes of Sam Underhill, who did get man of the man, man of the match, um, had an absolutely outrageously good game. Uh, seriously, seriously good tackle, uh, tackling again from him, like we're used to seeing. Um, anyone else that stood out for you? Uh, to be honest, not a lot. To be honest, because I think it's hard. It was hard to pick a player out really when. No one seemed to be playing amazingly well. Like as a team, it formed, mm. like got the job done, but no one really stood out to me. Obviously, Sam Underhill, he he'd been in good form, really good form. Like against Ireland, he, I think his tacky, tackling is just so good. Like he just smashes people back the whole time. And I don't know why. I think in in the Ireland game, his his dominant tackle rate was like like sixty percent or something like that, which is stupid. But I don't know what it was for this game. But yeah, he was really good. But I don't know. I just thought the whole game, 
like we were, we were playing a bit of a different game plan. I, I think this is obviously something that Eddie's trying to get that where where we can adapt our game to the opponent to be able to finish the job, like no matter what kind of play style it is. And I think we definitely saw a more territorial, uh, yeah, more territorial approach to the game today, where like any opportunity had is to be seen to just kick it through. Um, I wasn't overly convinced by George Ford today. I think I liked having Ford, Slady and Lawrence as the the, the 10 and the centres. But, I mean, we got the job done. I guess it must have been part of Eddie's plan to maybe have a bit more creative for the kicking. Um, mm. Having, obviously, Slady's really good at kicking um, as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I, no one massively stood out for me for the England team other than Underhill as well. But it was good to see. It was funny. I, I did find it funny when, um, what's his name? Who was who got injured? Someone got injured. Um, oh, Daly, Daly got that uh, ankle thing that, and and uh, and Burl thought he was going to come on. Um, <laughs> a like, fullback. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah. That would have been quite sick. I don't know how they would have worked that. They I might... think I think Slady would have gone to 15, surely, and yeah. Bell would have gone into the... Benard would have gone into the centres, probably. Yeah. Um, that would have <laughs> certainly been interesting to finally see him make one of those random moves that we know, like Ollie Thorley at flanker or Jack Noel at flanker or Ben Earl yeah. in the centres. Oh, uh, wants to make every player play in every position, apparently. So Yeah, he just wants like so many versatility players, like players or whatever. He's a versatility utility. Yeah, he just wants yeah. to play so many players like that because obviously he's running the um the 6-2 the six two with the the finishers, so he's got the six forwards rather, and then only two backs. I don't even know who our two back subs were. Willie Hines, I oh, know Dan. No, it's Dan Robson and Anthony Watson. Oh yeah, which is quite. Good. What did you make of Watson? Because he he hasn't really been playing that um, recently for England. I don't know. I thought I didn't obviously didn't have uh, loads of time and space to to do what we know he can. Uh, with his gas, but I think I think he did all right. You know, under the high ball a couple of times was was okay. Um, did get to show a tiny bit of gas in places when he got the ball at, from deep, but um, obviously just not being given the opportunity really in a game like that where it's just kick, kick, kick. Yeah. Um, I'll scout out to the wing. So just to just to comment on Wales, um, everyone's gas for Louis Zamet. Uh, I didn't. I didn't really. Didn't really get it. Like, yeah, he looked. He looked yeah. dangerous. But comparing him to Shane Williams, this guy's played like two matches for Wales and scored one try. Um, and we know what he could do in the Premiership and stuff. He's just pure out and out gas, and he's definitely yeah. a good, good player. But um, I think we just need to calm down a little bit on the whole Louis Rousseau thing because uh, he's uh, <laughs> not not necessarily proved himself in yesterday's game. I don't think uh, as yet. Um, yeah, no, I think he had a he had a good break, like I think he had a good couple breaks where like where he was kind of forced to the touchline. He had to kick, which like obviously the right decision to make. But I just don't. He he's he as he said he is just a bit of gas. I don't think he's like Johnny May who can make a break out of nothing. I think that is the difference because they're both obviously like really quick players, but Johnny May. Obviously, like as shown last weekend, didn't really get much of, and I didn't know if he got the ball this weekend. But Johnny May can make 
something out of nothing. You can see in the game, he's always trying to do those steps where he's trying to get someone off balance and make a break and then just accelerate through the gap. But whereas Zamba is a bit more, he needs a bit more of the space at the moment, um, which maybe Wales could try adapt their play style to utilise that a bit more because obviously there was the one where he nearly got past Watson um, mm-hmm. he had to kick it and he probably would have chased that at least down decently well if Watson hadn't got in I think he got like a tap tackle that brought him down so that was a really good defence by Watson to be fair but yeah I think commentators just absolutely love him like they actually like yeah well to be fair we all like if I was Welsh I would want to see that guy on the ball more because he did look fairly dangerous. But I think comparing him to Shane Williams, yeah, um, maybe a bit early for that. It's like almost comparing any New Zealand winger like Caleb Clark to Jonah Jonah Lomu, which you just yeah. wouldn't do. Like actually, great, um, great players for both teams, mm. um, and certainly showing themselves a little bit, but not quite up to that standard yet. I don't think. Give, give yeah. him time. Give him time. Yeah, I think um, it does show something a bit about Wales how. He is one of their standout players already. Yeah, I think they do. They, you know, they they have tried to blood a, a few new a few new players. Um, you got the likes of their their flankers James Bothan and Shane Lewis Hughes, who I actually had never heard of before today's game or yeah. yesterday's game. Sorry, uh, I really, I don't know. They didn't really look dangerous. They're not. They're no Curry and Underhill, are they? But um, Mate, not bad. England have the best. <laughs> Flanker depth in the world. I mean, you sure you saw who came off the bench. You know, you got Ben Arl and Jack Willis coming off the bench, who were both in outrageous form for club. And um, yeah, Jack Willis came on, made a made a really good jackling steal, like he like he did against Georgia, and like he's been doing the whole way through the Premiership. So I just think who who was who was Wales's subs? Aaron Wainwright and Will Rodens. I mean, it's not exactly game changing, is it? Um, yeah. And and I think Lloyd Williams at scrum half wasn't amazing. The centres, this is the problem that Wales have. I think I think previously, you know, you think of their centres, they've always had that that bulldozing twelve, whether it's Jamie Roberts or Hadley Parks, and then outside they'd have Jonathan Davis, who is a world class outside centre. Now in this game, they have Nick Tompkins and Johnny Williams. Now these two were just not nowhere to be seen the whole game. Didn't like if. Halfway through the game, I think some one of the commentators mentioned Nick Tompkins and how dangerous he was. And I was like, I haven't seen Nick Nick Tompkins the whole of this game. Has he touched the ball? Has he done anything? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think it's really about considering. The, the, what What was your statistic? What was your um fact about Johnny Williams, Mal? What, oh, oh, didn't he play he, for he, England? Yeah. Yeah, he actually played for England in a game against the Barbars last year and actually scored. So I think. Yeah, I think we. I was saying this to you earlier, and you said how the fact that he's playing against England for the Barbar against against Barbar for England means he's probably not going to be up there as a top choice for England. But the fact that he's making the the starting team for Wales shows something. But I think you also have to remember they they have got I think they have seven injuries or something. Wales do. Like, yeah, a lot of their like best players are out. Like they've got no Liam Williams. No, well, well, where's Tipperick? Um, you know, but what, what do, what do we make of Alan Wynne Jones and all that? What, what do you, what do you think of his performance yesterday? Nothing on Atoji. Nothing on Atoji. I'll tell you who else actually 
So Itoje is really good, as we all know, and he always plays well. And Underhill had a really good game. Launchbury. Mate. He, he just, actually uh, just does, does the groundwork and does it really well and also has really nice, subtle hands. Yeah. Um, can carry well. Um, he's, he's just so a really, really player. solid player. And I did see a post this morning on uh, the Good, the Bad and the Rugby Facebook group saying how underrated he is, basically, and how he should definitely be up and around there for the Lions. You know, we talk about Itoje and James Ryan. As far as I'm concerned, James Ryan and Ireland's form doesn't really credit any or deserve any any credit at the moment. They they haven't yeah. really been performing. Um, but Joe Launchbury's part bit. of a winning side. He's got that winning mentality and he yeah. he just does everything really well as well as a good line-out operator. So... Yeah, I think with Launchbury, he was obviously out of favour for starting spot for for a while. And I think he's obviously it's like it's like how it is. Like sometimes you get an injury and you make your break. Obviously, to make make his break back into the team, like no Courtney Laws, and then obviously having an outstanding season season with Wasps. I think really is it shining the spotlight on him a bit more, especially now. And now he's been back in England. It's really good to see him, and he's actually really bloody useful like it's good to have a like him as more i don't know i don't even know how you describe him it's just like he's just good like he he, he um he balances with Atoje really well in um in the in the lock partnership and yeah i, I would like i'm definitely keen for him to stay in there even with court because i think we don't need any more big hitters really like big like like courtney laws we don't need a big hitting lock in there when we have Underhill, Curry, Itoje, like all those guys doing that, we we need it's good to have some variation in the pack as well. Mm, exactly. And I think Joe Launchbury just he he's, he doesn't need to shout and and like make himself heard like Itoje does. He just does everything really well. And I think his teammates, um, I know I appreciated people like that who who did their work quietly and just um but did it really well and focused on getting their job done for the team. Whereas, like, I guess Courtney Laws does kind of do that. He's not as loud as Itoje, but it's anyone as loud as Itoje. But it does bring a nice balance to, to that second row and, and, and the England pack. Um, but anyway, that match ended 24-13. A uh, little bit disappointing that we didn't see England score more tries. But at the end of the day, a win's a win, and Wales can go and cry about it. So <laughs> that's fine. Um, Moving swiftly on then to the game that was on before that game, the France versus Italy game. So this game was essentially, well, we all knew what the result was going to be and it ended up that way. France played an out-and-out second team and won 36 points to five against a basically full-strength Italian side. Um, Obviously... I didn't watch the match. I was at work, but uh, yeah, just looking at just looking at the French team, um, there is only one person who I would say is a is a is a starting. If if they were playing England next weekend, there's only one person in that team that I would say would most likely start in in, in the game against England in a full fitness. In a, yeah, exactly, and that is Teddy Thomas. Mm. Um, which just shows you maybe some of the depth that France have, and they, you know, they put they beat this Italian side by thirty points. 
Um, yeah. You definitely have to give credit to France that be able to do that. But I think they got there are definitely some players who look good. Like I really, I really like uh, Matthew Jellybert. He, I really think he is quite good as well. He's like a really good backup to Intermac. Obviously, I think Intermac is the starting mm. one. But I think, well, I think I, I'm not. I can't even remember. I think, can't remember what team he actually plays for. Is it like Bordeaux maybe or something? But I think seeing him play for France these last couple of games and in the Challenge Cup, I think he, I think it was Bordeaux he plays for. So I mean, one of the French teams, but he played in the Challenge Cup. He, I thought he was really good there. So I think he it's good that he's getting a chance to play in in the uh, in for for in the Autumn Nations Cup. But but yeah, no, I think with the but you're playing Italy, and you and you know you're probably going to win. It's worth resting some players when you're going to be playing England, who who are obviously the the biggest uh, contesters for for France in this competition. And you don't want to get any big injuries to 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 Pont or any yeah. of those guys. So I think it was definitely the right decision for France to do, and they obviously were confident with that decision. But I do feel a bit bad for Italy because. I just think they have they they have been looking better like every week they have actually been looking decent like even playing against like a second string French team they still like got I think they got a try or two I can't I can't remember the score they got one they got one one try um, and it was actually quite a nice try I think it was Carlo Cano went over in the corner mm. but it was like the first points of the game basically yeah. um, and it always just seems that I mean we look at when the tries were scored, uh, let's just have a look. Um, I can't find it. No worries. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, uh, they they were all scored kind of after the twenty minute mark. You know, it, it, Italy Italy basically held off and um, managed to stay in the game for a relatively long amount of time. But then France, like Italy always seemed to do, they just crumbled uh, in the second half. And actually, Italy were attacking, um, or at least made less less tackles than France. So that means that they had the ball. They had fifty percent possession uh, for fifty two percent possession. So it's just what can Italy do to turn that possession, which is fairly even, into more points? And you got to point: is it maybe a lacking in attack, or is it also? Or is it a, a pure lacking defence because they're conceding so many tries? You know, it five tries. It's a fitness thing, to be honest, because if they're able to keep that... Uh, again, with this game, I think it was very close. I don't know if they... It was like 10-something 10, 10 maybe at half time. I'm not 100% sure, but it was very close again um, at half time. And then, yeah, they just drop off in the second half. Maybe they just get demotivated at half time. Maybe... I don't know who their who their manager is or the coach or whatever. I don't know if he's just not really spurring them on at half time, um, or if they're just get running out of fitness, like they're getting knackered and then obviously their defensive ability is massively dropping off, which is just laying a team like France, who obviously are very skillful, to just do what they need to do and run in the tries around them. That I think that could be potentially a big factor in it. But mm. I think they're, they're looking promising. And if they can just fix this issue of being consistent throughout the game, which I think is, which is obviously, I think, a big factor for a lot of teams as well, 
but I think especially Italy, like they're really not that bad. Like they, I think they're they're definitely better than they were like a year or like a year or two ago. They were getting, it was like you know they were going to get thumped. Like there was no chance for them really to even get anything on the board at all. Or like they were just. But now you think Italy are going to score one or two nice tries. Yeah, but then they're still going to use. But but you know, um, I just think one try a game against a tier one nation isn't really cutting it. It's 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 like, you know, I look at their bench and I think this is probably why they're they're not they're Mm. not performing as well as as well as they could. Because the only two people I know from their bench are Leonardo Ghirialdini um, and Tommaso Allen, who are obviously staples in that Italian side and have been for the last few years. Uh, very experienced players, but... Was there I don't was under- Varney on the bench as well? Yeah, yeah. And Who's he? Is he Welsh? No, yeah, he's a he's a he's a young um he's a young guy who plays for Gloucester. Um, I think he was part he was um at Hartbury College with um Pelledri and Louis Samet. So he's all part of the. I think they like they all had that young. They've got a lot of young players coming in from Hartbury yeah. to Glo- the Gloucester team, and obviously and obviously there's a few of them who must have Italian heritage, like Pelledri. Mm. Um, and so Pelledri wasn't playing actually. Yeah, I think he must have got injured from the weekend before, which is disappointing. Possibly, yeah, possibly. Oh, well, poor, poor Italy. Uh, 36-5, the end result in that against France. Um, very impressive France second team performance. <laughs> um, I just dread to think what would happen if they did play in Tamak and Dupont and uh, managed to <laughs> manage to uh, probably score a few more tries if that was the case. Uh, next game. New Zealand versus Argentina. Now, a few weeks back, we had the very exciting, um, obviously, event of, of, of this match before. And Argentina actually won it, obviously, 25 to 15. Now, basically, the same two teams went out to play yesterday morning, uh, as, we, as it was in the UK. And unfortunately, we weren't able to watch it, but we did watch uh, Two Cents Rugby, the the YouTuber who <laughs> reviews and previews rugby games. Uh, we managed to watch his live stream of his his commentary on it. So we did get an idea for what was going on in the game. Mm. Now, very, very different to the match that we saw a few weeks ago. This match ended up 38-0 to New Zealand. Um, so, Matt, what were your initial thoughts on this one? I mean... I don't know Argentina. I obviously, if they, I don't know what how it how it can swing so much. Like I don't know if Argentina just didn't really change their game plan much, and New New Zealand just took that and just analysed it and worked out all their weaknesses where they were bad on the day, and obviously took advantage of that to put on the points. I'm not sure what the score was in at half time. I think it was fairly close again and then they, they just brought New Zealand just brought on their finish. It was ten nil. Yeah, ten nil at half time. And I think I think this is potentially quite a common theme at international rugby is being have having depth at as as in your finishers. Because if you're bringing on really high quality players who can who are, where the difference between your starting team and your team at the end is not 
that big a difference in quality, then mm. you're going to be, and especially in comparison to another team who may be bringing on not the best players, then that's really where you can take advantage and exploit the other team's weaknesses. And I think that was obviously shown by Will Jordan getting two tries. I think they were both kind of uh, poachers' tries, you, you could say. But it was still mm-hmm. really good effort by him to actually get in the position to get the ball there and then have the gas to finish it off. So I think it's, there's nothing you can take away from him there. Getting two tries in, in a big in a big international like, is, is something. And I think he like that can, may, may have helped with the momentum. But yeah, I think it's similar similar to England. We New Zealand have a really good depth in their in their finishes, which obviously playing a team like Argentina, who have a really strong starting team but less strong in their finishes, is going to make a big difference. I feel. Yeah, I think I think the same. Um, but I do think that New Zealand initially felt the pressure really of this fixture because of the fixture before. Um, I think they thought, look, we got to come out here and we do have to win this and we have to win it convincingly. This can't be like a 22-21 close game final drop goal kind of event. And we need to stamp our mark on on World Rugby because they haven't been doing that recently. They really have been, you know, subpar for for what a New Zealand team should be. So, I mean, 10-0 at half time, listening to Two Cents Rugby, who was a Kiwi, um, he didn't sound like he had the confidence in his All Blacks team that he would usually have in, in, in more recent years. Um, I think he questioned having two first fives or fly halves um, playing playing on the pitch at the same time, Richie Mwanga and Bowden Barrett, um, because it seemed like, from my point of view, when Bowden Barrett was playing at 10, the All Blacks just were winning everything. Um, and they questioned having, you know, Geordie Barrett on the wing and whether he could move to fullback if Bowden moved to 10 and, and just all these interesting little nuances in the all-backs team. But as far as I'm concerned, it's just a lack of clinicality that the, that the all-backs usually have. Okay, so we talk about England being not as clinical as usual against Wales, but over the last few games that the all-backs have had, over the last few games the last couple of months, they haven't been as clinical as we they should be. And they either drawn or lost games that they could have easily won with the attacking platforms that they've created. Now, Argentina were defending for most of the match, which means that the All Blacks should have, could, could have and should have scored way more than 38 points in this game. I mean, they really didn't fire on all cylinders in the first half. They could have. Um, I, I think... Um, Argentina defended really well at points, but obviously there were moments where it could have been just two passes out wide and they would have gone in the corner. So I think Argentina were lucky, probably. The scoreline wasn't more, and New Zealand weren't as good as they should have been. Um, But that was just my view of the game from hearing a few people talk about (laughs) it and obviously looking at the stats as well. So um, it's all... I think it's interesting in coming coming after beating the All Blacks to getting absolutely smashed. It's like I don't know the All Blacks just can't don't seem very consistent. I don't know if that's like the I don't know if it's 
down to the coach. I don't know if they made the wrong choice of putting uh, Ian Foster there over what's the, what's the the um. Crusaders the Crusaders coach. coach. Oh, I've forgotten his name. I mean, Robertson or something. Robert, something. Andy, 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 John. <laughs> Andy Robertson, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, because obviously the power of the Crusaders being a dominant side, I don't know if maybe he should have been given a shot instead. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see the next the game next week. Um or whenever it is, of uh, Argentina versus Australia, because obviously both have been able to get a win over the All Blacks, but then both have also been thumped by them within like like within a few games. Like Having that inc- inconsistency in a team, it'll be interesting to see both of those go up against each other to see who is really yeah. more dominant side at the moment. But Also, think- was it a draw in their last, in their last outing, Argentina versus Australia? I have no idea. I I I I think I think it was to be honest. Um when did when was that? Uh yeah, it was on the 21st of November 15 all. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, look look at these results, okay? So let me uh, so you've got on the 31st of October New Zealand beat Australia 43 to 5. Then uh, then a week later Australia beat New Zealand 24-22. Then New Zealand lose to Argentina 25-15. Like, how do these results... So how can you go from beating Australia by 40 points to losing two games in a row, one against Australia, who you've just beaten, <laughs> and then one against Argentina, who hadn't played a match in, in however long, and then the next week, the next time you play, you beat Argentina by, by 40 points. It's the most random string of results that I've I've ever seen. Most inconsistent results. Yeah. Um, very unlike the All Blacks. Very unlike the All Blacks. You'd at least expect them. I don't really know. Just to win. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that's what you you expect the All Blacks to be winning like every game. Like they are they um, are the rugby nation. So exactly, exactly. And I think um, we could have probably would have heard about that if our guest had come on today. Um, <laughs> but no worries he was drinking so that's fine uh, but yeah I think um, moving on from that uh, very poor from Argentina really in, in general in that game um, but also slightly you know unclinicality maybe from New Zealand interesting but just to finish off I think we should have a word about the premiership and I can, can, I, can I just say before we start talking about anyone else the extra Chiefs are just looking like they're going to absolutely romp everyone this season. Really? How have they been well, they've, doing? They've won two games by by like 30 points or 40 points. Their points difference at the moment is 67 after two games, and they have two tri-bonus points. Um, Maybe a factor. One against Bath, Bath, who got to the semi-finals of the Premiership last season, only scored three points against them yesterday. Really? I don't know. You have to also remember that they're missing international players. Exeter don't have that many international players. Like they've got Johnny Hill, Slady. Yeah, but Bath don't have that many either, do they? Watson. Un- Underhill, Watson. Is Will Stewart, is he? Oh, yeah. To be fair, when you think about it in a bit more detail. Oh, it's quite a few. Bath have got quite a few. And um, so that could be. I don't know. I, I don't know if they're. I think if they're 
they're not, if they're not in the match day squad for England, they I think they they are allowed to play for their club, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think they can go back and play, but but maybe with the maybe with the bubble rules or whatever, you're not allowed to anymore. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, some more results: uh, Bristol beat Worcester by a lot. Gloucester <laughs> beat Wasps. Gloucester beat Wasps. What? Is this is this another thing where where because Wasps have a few international players, Gordsbury, yeah. the Jack Willis, they just rely on those players basically to yeah. win them games, and Lots now they're getting forty points put on them by by a Gloucester team that you know, there's uh, a Gloucester team that is pretty much actually the Gloucester team does have a quite a full background. They don't have Cipriani. Um, but you know, not not the worst, not the worst Gloucester team I've ever seen. How but then I look. Doing? Huh? How Quinn's doing? Oh uh, yeah, mate. Quinn's doing all right actually. We lost obviously by a lot to Exeter, but that's expected. But putting nearly fifty points on Northampton yesterday, forty nine twenty nine, and an absolute try first at Franklin's Gardens. Uh, Marcus Smith having a great game. Don Brandt playing quite well. Nathan Earl playing well. He was in. Uh, con- um, competition for an England shirt a few years back before an injury. Um, also, let's mention the, the newbies to the Premiership, uh, or at least this season they are. Uh, Newcastle. How are they? How are they? Well, they've won two from two so far after being newly promoted. They beat Sale, the great Sale, on 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 the on the weekend on Friday evening, fifteen thirteen. So. I don't know what's going on at Newcastle, but they're certainly doing something. Yeah, uh, they don't. Their team isn't even anything to write home about. They're, I mean, they've got Luther Burrell and Toby Flood in the centres. <laughs> um, so to, I know Toby Flood went over in the corner for a mad final try. Mickey Young um, tapped it over the top like a little chip kick into the corner, bounced perfectly up for Toby Flood, the slowest player in the world. I don't understand how he's still playing wrong. Bear in mind, Toby Flubb was playing 10 for England in 2007. <laughs> 13 years ago. What the hell? He must be up really old now, getting on. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, tries. still good to be, uh, obviously, playing at such a high level. But that, that looks like all the matches that we've had so far this weekend. Uh, obviously, matches that we have today, I've already mentioned, London Irish versus Leicester. Um, is the only one uh, but it'll be interesting to see how Leicester fare obviously they have a few internationals as well George Ford and Ben Youngs uh, but they've got Richard Wigglesworth stepping in now so mm. uh, that will be interesting they've also got the likes of Jaco Tauta from used to play for the Stormers oh, no. uh, coming in to the starting lineup, and um, so interesting to watch them play Ben Loder Oli Hassel Collins wingers for Oli Asa Collins is decent. He, he's yeah. a young guy, got decent potential. I don't know if he'll. He got a lot of tries last season. This, this uh, London Irish team is sick. What I'm just looking at it now. Uh, look, Do they okay. Have so, the holo? so you, well, I think so. They might be on the bench. No, he's not playing this this week. But they have Augustine Creevy, ex-Argentinian captain. Bear in mind, <laughs> Sakopi Kepu, who's like. Got the most outrageous caps for the Australian national side. Alan Dell, who's got caps for Scotland. Don't know the second rows. Sean O'Brien is their seven. Blair Cowan. 
like he's played for Scotland. Then they've got um, Paddy Jackson, who's obviously capped by Ireland. Bill Meeks, who should be playing for Scotland, uh, who should be playing for Australia. Sorry, Curtis Rona's capped for Australia. Um, and then you've got Tom Homer, who's a staple in the Premiership, played for Bath tons of times. Ben Loder and Ollie House of Collins, really young and inciting wingers. So that London Irish team is dangerous. And I don't know what they're doing to not put together some better performances. Didn't they, but... have, didn't they have Dan Norton as well? Yeah. So I, I, he's not playing either. But um, I don't know if maybe yeah, they've got a contract or something. They got Nick Phipps on the bench as well. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Actually, quite a decent score. Oh, so names. weird. Lobby. What? big names. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you, do you remember that guy who played for the Hurricanes and the Stormers in Super Rugby, Cobus Van Wyk? Yeah, yeah. He he just yeah. he just signed. He just signed for them. I'm pretty sure. He, he just signed for, for Leicester. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Basically, anyone who's South African or Australian wants to play for Leicester and London Irish, I think. Yeah, it's probably because it's a good shot, it's good, good team that they can actually break into. So, yeah, exactly. Anyway, exactly. I want to, I want to get your predictions on. Obviously, France, France versus England is the final of the for the first place in the Automation Cup. What, what, yeah. what do you, who do you think is going to be the winners? Oh, that's such a tough one. Um, obviously, obviously want, I, I want, want England. England. I want England. Um, who, who, I would love to see England. Game. I would love to see England come out and play like they did against Ireland, but just score a couple more tries. That'd basically be the, the most epic performance um, I think I've ever seen. But um, I think I think England by about three or four, maybe. England, England by not much. Uh, possibly a drop goal in the final minutes, possibly a penalty in the final minutes. Uh, I think France will just crumble under the pressure like they usually do. Yeah, we'll have to see. I think, thinking, I'm just thinking back to the Moscow DuPont and Tomac back tower. Scary. <laughs> just like, oh, like, oh yeah, we'll just put Ollie Lawrence and Slady, they'll take they'll take them down. Mate, Farrell, he's gonna he's gonna absolutely clothesline them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Farrell just knock him out, just punch him in the face. Legally punch him in the face and then <laughs> legally punch <laughs> them in the face. <laughs> absolutely clothesline them. No, I think Farrell, no, Farrell no, needs to work no, on his ta- tackle technique. But um yeah, what about Argentina versus Australia and the Tri Nations? I think it'll be Australia. I think Argentina Obviously, got had a good had a good run against had a good run against New Zealand for that one game. <laughs> <laughs> a good a good one win against New Zealand. But, um, <laughs> I think the will probably take that one just because they've been playing a bit more, probably got a bit more match experience. Um, so yeah, I think I think probably the Wallabies will probably take it. Cool. All right, and that about wraps it up for this episode. Um, thank you so much for listening to Much Do About Rugby. We're so sorry we went to have a guest on today, but fortunately he's hung over, so couldn't come on. Um, but yeah, we hope you've enjoyed it, and obviously go and follow all our socials, which I mentioned at the beginning. All right, bye bye, everyone. Rugby.